This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, it's time for Hopalong Cassidy to ride out of the Old West and give us the story of the Sundown Kid. Now, Hopalong Cassidy is a cowboy hero created way back in 1904 by Clarence E. Mulford and appearing in a series of popular stories and novels. Now, in print, the character appeared as a rude, rough-talking galoot. <laughs> I love that word, galoot. Anyway, beginning in 1935, the character played by William Boyd, was transformed into the clean-cut hero of a series of 66 immensely popular films, only a few of which were based on Mulford's works. In fact, Mulford actually rewrote his earlier stories to fit the movie conception, and these led in turn to a comic book series modeled after the films. As portrayed on the screen, the white-haired Bill Hopalong Cassidy was usually clad in black. He was reserved and well-spoken with a fine sense of fair play. He was often called upon to intercede when dishonest characters were taking advantage of honest citizens. Hoppy usually traveled throughout the West with two companions, one young and trouble-prone with weakness for damsels in distress, the other comically awkward and outspoken. Now, Gabby Hayes originally played Cassidy's grizzled sidekick, Windy Holiday. After Hayes left the series due to a salary dispute with producer Harry Sherman, he was replaced by comedian Britt Wood as Speedy McGinnis, and then finally by veteran movie comedian Andy Clyde as California Carlson. Clyde, the most durable of the sidekicks, remained with the series until it ended. So, let's go back to the Old West and see how Hoppy fares tonight. It's Hopalong Cassidy! <laughs> With action and suspense, out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. The Ring of the Silver Spurs heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West, Hopalong Cassidy. This famous hero thrills his 60 million fans with action and dangerous adventure. In the role of Hopalong Cassidy is the popular star of the motion picture series, William Boyd. And now, another exciting story of the early West. The Sundown Kid. It was a strange meeting there on the dry stage-covered alkali flat five miles out of the little town of Saguaro. Hopalong pulled up in the shadow of a mesquite tree, squinted through the shimmering heat at the rider moving toward him on the trail, drooped over the saddle horn, his feet hanging loose out of the stirrups, his hat slung around his neck by the chin strap, leaving his head bare to the killing desert sun. Only when the dog-tired roan pulled up alongside him did Hoppy understand it. 
The kid was out of his head. No. No. Listen to me, Sam. You've got no right to treat me like this. What's the matter, kid? You ought to know what's the matter, Sally. We've been together long enough to know each other's minds, ain't we? I, I can't stand it no more, I tell you. I, I can't stand it. Mm, sunstroke. Come on over this way, fella. Let's get out of that sun. Yeah. Yeah, get out of the sun. Sun. <laughs> what do I care about the sun? Wind. Rain. Winter blizzards. Come on now. Come on. Yeah. I've seen them all, Sally. On the move. All is on the move. Ever since you gave me the sign. Come on, Sonny. Snap out of it. Never forget that night, you know. When you told me. The kid was pale and sweating from the heat. His hair matted on his forehead. Hoppy started to put his hat back on. Then saw something else. We didn't have to split up, you know. Hmm. Bullet crease over the ear. Looks like you've been in a gunfight, Sonny. Yeah, come on now. Snap out of it. No. Don't sell, please. You're out of your head, kid. Get hold of yourself. Sally, don't hit me. Don't. Come on. No. Uh, huh? That's it, Sonny. Look at me. Who, who are you? Up along Cassidy. Oh, what happened? Don't ask me. It's like you've been in a gunfight for one thing. You got yourself a little too much sun. Gun? Gunfight? Yeah, bullet crease over your ear. I, I don't remember. Well, don't try to now. I wish I had some water, mister, but I'm as dry as you are. Five hot miles to town, but two miles to the north is a ranch on Clear Creek. I stopped there a while ago. I... I could use some water, I reckon. We'd better go back there. You stay on that horse? Yeah, I can make it. Only a few minutes from here. We can... Hold it. What's the matter? Cloud of dust down the trail there. It's like a bunch of riders coming out from town. Maybe we better wait. Maybe, maybe they got water. You, uh, you sure you don't remember anything about a gunfight? Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, they've stopped. They're trailing someone. That's a posse, Sonny. Why are you looking at me? I got no reason to. Except for that bullet crease. Want to stay here and find out what they want? You're playing them face up. That's the way I like it. I told you I got nothing to hide. Okay. We better get up the canyon to that ranch house. Mort Robertson. Yeah. Before we mosey up to the sheriff, I think we better find out more about that bullet crease. Let's go. It's only a few minutes after the meeting on the plane that Hoppy and the kid ride up to the door of Mort Robertson's ranch house on Clear Creek. Yeah. Better get rid of your horse here for the time being. There you go, boy. We'll do to have the sheriff spot him around here. Oh? Hello, miss. I, I just stopped by here a while ago, and I... Eddie. Hello, kitty. Come in. You seem to know each other. Yes, Eddie and I are old friends. What's wrong? Eddie, you like look like you've been in a fight. Picked up a bullet crease somewhere. A gunfight. 
Eddie... He doesn't remember much about what happened, miss. Maybe we'd better find a place to stretch you out, Eddie. There's a bed in here. You got any water, Kitty? I'm awful dry. Of course. Right away. Just lie down there and, and make yourself comfortable. Oh. You feel better? Yeah. Look, Eddie, I don't want to crowd you. You better try to think right now. I, I can't think. It's all a blank. When does the blank start? Last night. Oh, don't ask me any more questions, Cassidy. My head hurts. I... Okay, it's your funeral. What do you mean? I mean I'm walking out right now. Unless you want to give me the whole story. Oh, I... Here you are, Eddie. Oh, thanks. What do you mean you're walking out, Mr. Cassidy? What is it? There's a sheriff's posse down on the flat. I think they're looking for Eddie. Why, Eddie? I... I'll try. I'll, I'll try to think. That's better. What's the last thing you remember? The cantina. I hit town about nine last night. Been away for more than a year. I couldn't stand it any longer. I had to see Sally. Sally? That's his... his wife. Yeah. Well, I guess I had too much to drink. Anyway, I left about eleven and headed for her place down at the edge of town. I remember knocking on the door and a funny look on her face when she let me in and I... Then what? That's all. That's all I remember. Next thing I knew, you were hitting me in the face out in the trail. Listen. The posse. Stay right where you are, Eddie. Come on, miss. We haven't seen him, understand? Uh, uh, all right. Go ahead. Afternoon, miss. Oh, Sheriff. Mind if I come in? Of course not. I won't make no bones about it, Miss Kitty. We're looking for Eddie Langtree. Or should I say, the sundown kid. Seems they call him that now he's an outlaw. Outlaw? Nothing real serious till now. I hear he's got into a few scrapes during the past year over to sundown and Point South. What do you mean, uh, till now, Sheriff? This is Mr. Cassidy, Sheriff. Uh, how do you do? Well, to put her direct, Eddie Langtree's about three jumps ahead of a long rope. He, uh, he killed his wife last night. Shot her. <gasps> I know he thinks a lot of you and your uncle, Miss Kitty. Figured this is the first place he'd head for. There are tracks leading up here from the flat. He's... he's not here. I said there was a pair of tracks leading up here. One set is mine. And... and the other belongs to my uncle. He was in town last night, got home late. If you don't mind, I'll, uh, take me a look in that other room. Who's that empty glass belong to? Me. I got dizzy from the sun and flopped on the bed for a spell. Hmm. Uh, you'll get in touch with me if he shows around here. Of course. I think you're lying, but there ain't much I can do right now. Nothing here, boys. He must be down in the flat. Thank you. I still away, Gomez. Cassidy. Goodbye. How do you get out of there? 
The window. He must be down in the barn. Oh, we'll wait till they get out of sight, then we'll take a look. This door here. Okay. Stay where you are. It's me, kid. Cassidy. They gone? Yeah. Okay. Why the gun? Mort over there. You gonna put it away in it? Yeah. Come on. Mort wanted to give me away. Give me the gun, kid. Sure, here I... Huh? What's the matter? Well, this ain't my gun. You were packing it, weren't you? Yeah. But look, it's a Walker Colt. An old one. I had a brand new Frontier with my initials on the handle. Let's see that. Two shots fired. Hmm. Why'd you want to give the kid away, Mort? Well, I... I... I can answer that, Mr. Cassidy. On account of me. He knows I... Well, I think a lot of Eddie and... And I don't want my niece mixed up with a murderer. Murderer? What do you mean? Wait a minute, kid. You heard about it, Mort? I was in town last night when it happened. You didn't tell me, Uncle Mort. Well, I knew it would break your heart, Kitty. Figure you'd hear soon enough. About what? Tell me. Tell me what it is. Your wife, Sally. Oh, no. She was shot last night. You... You gotta believe me, Cassidy. All of you... I wouldn't kill Sally. I couldn't... I love her. I... Yes, Eddie. I... I know you love her. You... You do believe me, don't you, Kitty? I think we all do, Eddie. Now, tell me. What happened between you and Sal? Why'd you split up a year ago? Usual reason, I reckon. Another guy. Who? I don't know. We had a fight and I left. Hit the trail. Kind of went wild for a year. Got into trouble, got into jail a couple of times. Busted out. Got blamed for a lot of things I didn't do. They called me the sundown kid like I was an outlaw or something. Uh, then what? Sally had a hold on me. I never knew what it was. But I finally gave up. I had to come back to her. That's how I ended up in the cantina last night. But I... I never killed her. You've got to believe that. We believe it, Eddie. Yeah? I'm sorry for what I did. I want you to know I believe you, too, Thanks, Mort. Come on, Eddie. Let's get back up to the house. You need some rest. Yeah. I'm I'm awful tired. Um, Mort. Yeah? You said you believed in him. How far does that go? As far as you wanted to go. Will you help me? Will you help me clear him? Yeah. Anything you say. Good. We're right under Sawara right now. <laughs> It was two o'clock when Hoppy and Mort Robertson left the ranch house on Clear Creek. After three now, as they pulled up in front of Sheriff Party's office in Saguaro. There he is, on the porch. Evening, Sheriff. Oh, 
Evening, Cassidy. Mort. Putting up a new poster, eh? That's right. Hmm. $500 reward, dead or alive. Eddie Langfrey, alias the Sundown Kid. Dead or alive? Yeah. The alive part don't mean nothing. If they bring him in at all, it'll be feet first. That's the usual custom around here? When a man kills a woman, it is. Any objections? Yeah. I'm listening. Where I come from, a man's entitled to a trial. The kid's had his trial. You heard the threatened Sal over at the cantina last night. You seen going there. You were seen leaving town early this morning. So that means he killed her. In my book, it does. I guess you and I own different editions. Let me give you a tip, Cassidy. I don't know how it is where you come from, but if there's one thing that'll make the men of this town see red, it's a woman killer. They won't rest till they grind the kid's carcass into the dust. And anything you say will only make a matter. I'm not defending woman killers. I'm saying there's a good chance that Elankery isn't one. Any idea who it is? I hear she was seeing another man. Who told you that? I keep my ears open. If there's another man, that means there's another suspect. You ever hear that said, Mort? Can't say I knew much about Thal, Sheriff. I knew her pretty well, Cassidy. And as far as I know, she wasn't courting anyone else. Hmm. Who saw the kid go into her house? Liz McKinnon. Lives down the street, just across from the cantina. Yes, we'll get down and have a talk with her. Thanks, Sheriff. Uh, Cassidy. Yeah? You're mighty interested in the kid for an outsider. Ain't seen him lately, have you? That's one for you to chew on till we get back, Sheriff. Stick around. We won't be long. I tell you, that's all I know, Mr. Cassidy. I saw him go in What time? About 11. I went in the house here and into the back room to take off my hat. I, I thought I heard a noise, so I came back out and opened the door. I saw him leave. It's almost a hundred yards from here to Sal's doorway. It was dark last night. I don't care. I know it was him. I could tell by by his clothes. That's it. I could tell What did by... he have on? Why, why, blue denims and a gray shirt. And... How do you know they were blue? You can't tell colors on a dark night at ten feet. Say nothing of three hundred. Stop it. Go on, Liz. We're waiting. You're lying, Liz. I'm not. I tell you, I'm... Forget the hysterics. Eddie Lankray had on a pair of black leather shaps when I met him on the trail this morning. That takes care of your identification. Now I want the truth this time. You and Sam were pretty close friends. You had a gentleman friend you were seeing on the sly. If anyone would know who he is, you would. I, I don't know anything about it. I hope you know what you're doing, Liz. As a sign in the sheriff's office, it'll send every man in this town out tomorrow morning hell-bent on bringing Eddie Lankry in dead. They'll never take him alive, even if he surrenders. On your say-so, they'll shoot him on sight. If that happens, Liz... If they kill him for someone else's crime, you'll have something to think about for a long, long time. You gonna talk, Liz? Or are we gonna stand here all night? I've told you all I know. Come on, Mort. I'm not telling you the kid is innocent, Sheriff. I'm just saying there's a chance he is. That woman's lying. I shot her story full of holes. Poppy. What is it, Mort? The posse. They got word somewhere the kid's at the ranch. They're on the way. All right, Sheriff. You gonna let them shoot that kid down in cold blood? I I don't know. Golly, Cassidy, what can I do? Mort, take off right now over the hills. You can cut across the saddle and get there ahead of the posse. Get him out of there, off the ranch, you understand? Okay. We'll be right behind you. He's at Clear Creek? Yeah. 
Who tipped them off? No idea. Look, you gotta stop them. You're the only one who can do it. They'll say I'm out of my head. You're acting like it right now, Sheriff. Look, it makes as much sense this way as the other. The real killer, the other man she was seeing, was in the house with her when the kid knocked on the door. He hustled into the back room when the kid comes in. Sees them in each other's arms and shoots them both. Then, thinking to make it look like murder and suicide, he switches gun with the kid and leaves. Not knowing he only creased the kid, but he'd come to in a few minutes and walk out around midnight. Hey, if the murder was discovered last night, how come they let the kid leave town this morning? It wasn't discovered last night. They found Sal's body at 8 o'clock this morning. Oh, that's who it was. Liz! The hostages! They're going to kill him! He's innocent, Sheriff! You've got to stop him! What do you mean? Ha! I lied! He told me he'd kill me if I talked, but I don't care now. Who are you talking about? I saw him leave the house, too, before Eddie did. He was seeing Sal, like Mr. Cassidy said. She's talking about Mort Robertson, Sheriff. That's why I thought the killing was discovered last night. Mort knew all about it, and he hasn't been in town all day. Jumping catfish, they'll kill Come on, we got to stop him before he gets hold of that kid. Why? You're all worried about me, ain't you? I can always tell when you're worried. Your eyes get a look. I, uh, I ain't worth it, Kitty. I, oh, I'd die for you, Eddie. You know, sometimes a man has to get himself in a spot like this to see things clear. It's kind of like I've been riding in the fog all my life. And suddenly it lifts and I can see the sun. Oh, Eddie. Oh, kid, you're an angel. If they get me, kid, remember I did see the light. Don't even think it, Eddie. Mort, what is it? Posse's on the way here. We gotta get out. When they leave, 15 minutes, we'll hit up into the hills. Have you got a gun, Eddie? Just that old walker somebody swapped me for. But it'll do. Here. Take a rifle. No place to pack it. Your horse saddled? Yeah, behind the house. Good. Let's get him. Goodbye, Kit. You'll make it, Eddie. You'll make it. I'm going to try. I'll go up to Mort's room and watch for them. I can see way down the trail. Hurry up, Kit. Go on now. Good luck, Eddie. Oh, thanks. Good luck. <laughs> Hold it, Sheriff. Oh, see anything? Look, across the canyon, past the ranch house. Yeah. Climbing out of the canyon, going across the ridge. We'll never catch him now. He'll shoot the kid in cold blood. Cook up some story for the posse. Only one thing to do, Sheriff. Give me your Winchester. You'll never make it, Cassidy. That's 1,500 yards. Wind blowing, moving target. I said, target. give me the rifle. You're liable to hit the kid. I've got to try. Better get down and find me a stone for a gun rest. Ain't got much time. They're almost up to the notch. Pull up, kid. Huh? Well, what are we... I said pull up. Okay. What's the idea, Mort? You ain't going no farther, Eddie. You're stopping right here. Huh? You turned on me, see? You tried to kill me and make a getaway before that posse caught up. They'll believe that, Eddie. Because that's what they want to believe. What are you talking about, Mort? Put down that gun. Why? I'm going to kill you with it, ain't I? You're crazy, Mort. No. I'm smart. The 500, huh? You want Cut the... it. I loved her too, kid. She was going to marry me. Till she heard you were coming back. <laughs> 
Sal? You and Sal? Yeah. She won't do it no more, though. And you won't either. If you got any prayers, kid, you better stop. <laughs> Mort, what happened? Rifle shot. Right through the head. You all right, kid? Yeah. He killed Sal. He just told we me. We know. Golly, one second later and he would have... Where were you, Hoppy? Across the canyon. We saw you heading for the notch. <clears throat> Mind if I say you're a pretty fair shot with a rifle? Uh, uh Sheriff, uh, Sheriff. Maybe you'd better hustle down to the ranch house and uh, head off the posse. They're coming up the canyon now. Tell them we've taken care of the murder of Sally Langtree. Kid? Yes, sir? Uh, some of the boys outside in the posse want to talk to you. Why? Mm, well, apologize is a kind of weak word to use on a man you've been hell-bent to kill. But it's uh, something along those lines. I see. I already gave him a prime piece of my mind. You may as well do the same thing, Eddie. Uh, well, I uh, I think you know how we all feel, kid. Uh, <laughs> kind of like crawling in the nearest coyote hole and... Pulling it in after. You could have been feeling a lot worse about now, Sheriff. Yeah. Go ahead, Eddie. Talk to them. Don't go away, kid. I'll be right back. Don't worry. I'll never go away. You see, uh, I got a lot of apologizing to do, too. It's all right now. Everything's all right. You know, Kitty, by tomorrow I'll be known as the best rifle shot in the Southwest. How's your shoulder feel, honey? Mm. Pretty sore. A four fifty sharp rifle isn't exactly a woman's weapon. I've seen him knock a grown man right off his feet. I... I wasn't thinking of that. You see, I thought of Mort right away when you said she'd been killed with a walker coat. I knew he had one, but I couldn't believe he... Sure. Oh, I had the rifle in my hand when I went up to his room to look for the posse. That's when I found Eddie's frontier with his initials on the handle. That's when I knew it was Mort. So you just laid the barrel down on the windowsill and pointed her up the trail and... Don't, Sheriff. I don't want to think about it anymore. All right, Kitty. Don't worry. The Sheriff and I have got a secret to keep, though. Not that I want to ride around with a barred reputation. Because of Eddie. Eddie? Yeah. Men are funny, Kitty. They got a lot of pride. Like to think they do most everything better than a woman. Don't know exactly how it'd uh, take it if he knew his bride to be could hit a moving target at a thousand yards with a four fifty sharp rifle. <laughs> this means it's so long from Hopalong Cassidy once again. He's riding back to the Bar 20 bunkhouse to sit with California and all the other waddies round an open fire and tell of the exciting little escapade you just heard. If you'd like more of these two-gun adventures of Hoppies, don't forget you can see him in the fine Hopalong Cassidy pictures at your local theater. Meanwhile, we're hoping you'll tune in next time Hopalong rides the airwaves to bring you more action out of the Old West. Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd, 
is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White, Jr. The Sundown Kid was written by Harold Swanton. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Harold Perry to star as The Great Gildersleeve. The show, a radio situation comedy, was broadcast in the U.S. from August 31st of 1941 all the way through to 1958. Initially written by Leonard Lewis Levinson, it was one of broadcast history's earliest spinoff programs. The series was built around Throckmorton, let me try that again. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, a regular character from the radio situation comedy Fibber McGee and Molly. Now, the great Gildersleeve enjoyed its greatest popularity in the 1940s. In Fibber McGee and Molly, Perry's Gildersleeve had been a pompous windbag, an antagonist of Fibber McGee. The character went by several aliases on Fibber McGee and Molly. His middle name, by the way, was revealed to be Philharmonic. <laughs> Gildy grew so popular that Kraft Foods, promoting its parquet margarine, sponsored a new series featuring Perry's somewhat mellowed and always befuddled Gildersleeve as the head of his own family. The Great Gildersleeve premiered on NBC August 31st of 1941. It moves the title character from the McGee's Wistful Vista to Summerfield, where Gildersleeve oversees his late brother-in-law's estate and rears his orphaned niece and nephew, now Marjorie and Leroy Forrester. The household includes a cook named Birdie. And while Gildersleeve had occasionally mentioned his wife in some Fibber episodes, in his own series, he is a confirmed bachelor. At the outset of the series, Gildersleeve administers a girdle manufacturing company. If you want a better corset, of course, it's a Gildersleeve. Now, later and during the remainder of the show, he serves as Summerfield's water commissioner. A key figure in the Gildersleeve home was black cook and housekeeper Bertie Lee Coggins, played by Lillian Randolph. In the first season under writer Levinson, Bertie was often portrayed as less than intelligent, but she slowly developed as the real brains and caretaker of the household under John Waden and other writers. Here's the episode entitled, A College Chum Visits. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time, Harold Peary as the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levin. And now let's visit our friend, the Great Gildersleeve, who's just arrived home in great humor, for the local paper contains a big write-up and picture of our hero, the latest in a series they've been running entitled Men Who Have Pushed Summerfield Ahead. 
Number 89, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Read on, Marjorie. Mr. Gildersleeve gained his college education at Princeton, where he was a member of the class of 14. He was one of Princeton's star athletes and musicians, and was selected by his classmates as student most likely to weigh 200 pounds in 10 years. <laughs> oh, yes, dear old Princeton. Incidentally, Marjorie, do you like the picture of me the newspaper printed? Oh, yes, Uncle. You look positively handsome. Handsome? Oh, no. <laughs> what do you think of it, Bertie? Just like one of them movie stars, only you got a pretty mustache and he ain't. Oh, is that so? And which star do you mean? Ronald Coleman? No. No? Are you positive? Well, definitely. Uh, Tyrone Power? No. Uh, Clark Gable? Uh, Frederick March? Uh, Robert Taylor? No. Mm-mm. Um, Cary Grant? Victor Mature? That's it. Now I remember. Uh, who? Victor Mature? No, sir. Costello of Abbott and Costello. <laughs> now, if he only had a mustache like yours... Yeah, excuse me. I'll get it. Costello of Abbott and Costello. Hello? Hello. Is this my old palsy Wellsy Gildy? Uh, this is Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Who's speaking, please? Now, place yourself for a surprise. It's Brownie. If Brownie? I don't know any Brownies. Which Brown are you? Your old pal, Bob Brown, who went to college with you. I just arrived in town for a few days. I thought I'd give you a raise. Well, that was mighty nice of you. If Bob Brown is... I still don't remember him. Well, uh, we'll have to get together sometime. You betcha my life, old kid. Uh, How about you coming right downtown and having dinner with me? Oh, I couldn't do that tonight, but uh, hold the line a minute, will you? Oh, Bertie, would it be all right for me to invite a guest out for dinner? Yes, sir. The roast, it'll stretch. (laughs) Are you sure that we have enough of everything now? Oh, indubitably. Only maybe you better ask him to bring his own sugar. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, Brown. Say, I've got an idea. Why don't you come out and have dinner with us? Oh, no, I wouldn't dream of troubling you folks. Oh, that's quite all right. The roast will stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Come on out. We're at 747 Parkside Avenue. 747 Parkside. I'll be there, kiddo. By Jiminy, I can hardly wait to see you again, Throcky old Socky. Uh, Toodaloo. Goodbye. Brown. Bob Brown. I better get out the good linen. Incidentally, Miss Marge, is we demitassing and finger bowling tonight? <laughs> oh, yes, Bertie. <laughs> oh, Leroy, go comb your hair. We're having a guest for dinner. Jeepers, every time we have somebody for dinner, I gotta comb my hair. Who is it, Uncle Morton? Well, I can't quite remember, my boy. There were two Bobby Browns in my class at Princeton, and I don't know which one this is. Gee, when you were at Princeton, I bet you were the big noise around the campus, Unc. Uh, no, my boy, I didn't go out for cheerleader. He was more of athletic type. Yeah. He was? What did you start in, Uncle Football? Uh, no, my boy. I was associated with the water polo team. Gee, how do you play that? Well, uh, water polo is a sort of a soggy version of soccer. <laughs> the team whose pole motor breaks down first is declared the loser. And what position did you play, Uncle? Well, I had a very important position. I was the assistant business manager. It's all great jumping jeeps. That must be him already. Uh, I'll answer it. Where did he phone from? The corner drugstore? Well, Gildy, you old coot, how's the kid? Oh, he's a... Oh, you mean me. Well, I'm just Brown Dandy. I mean, I'm Dandy Brown. (laughs) Come on in, won't you? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Hey, Cabby, just throw my luggage up on the porch. (laughs) Well, Rocky, it's great to see you. You, 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 yes, isn't it? How are you, old rascal? You know you haven't changed a ton. I haven't. No, no, sir. (laughs) 
No, sir, Bombay. Some of your pompadours slip down to your lower lip, and some of your chest has slipped down to your belt, but I'd still know you anywhere. <laughs> I wish I could say the same about you, Brownie, old fellow. Come on in and meet the family. Uh, this is Leroy, my... Well, Leroy, you're certainly the image of your old man, aren't you? <laughs> Leroy happens to be my nephew. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> and uh, this is Marjorie. How do you do, Mr. Brown? Why, guilty, you old reprobate. Congratulations. What a beautiful young wife. Marjorie is my niece. Uh, your niece? Oh, yes, of course. Well, I, I was just kidding. Don't mind me, folks. Uh, dinner, sir. Oh, yes. And Mrs. Bertie, yeah, I know, your maid. Absolutely correct. Have a cigar, Mr. Brown. <laughs> was one of our star athletes. Gee, Mr. Brown, tell us some more things that happened to you and Uncle Mort in college. Yeah, you seem to know so much that Uncle Mort has never even mentioned. Yeah, and so much that never even happened. <laughs> well, I'd love to, kiddies, but uh, I'd better get out of town and register at one of the uh, hotels. But uh, couldn't you stay with uh, You expect to be here long, Brown? Oh, just a day or two, then off again like a gypsy. Gee, I'd like to travel all the time. Oh, you'd soon get tired of it, my boy. Say, I'd give my eye teeth for a comfy home like this with a big fireplace, a couple of swell kids, and a little guest room in case an old friend should show up. <laughs> Uncle, uh, couldn't uh, we... By the way, Brownie, uh, do you ever run into Eddie Maxwell or Bill Simmons or Clarence Benzer? No, can't say that I have, but I uh, saw Paul Green in New York last summer. Oh, good old Paul Green. <laughs> Don't believe I remember him. <laughs> oh, he was one of the boys. Now he's in the game game. Game game? Yes, he makes puzzles. Oh. Now, there's a great guy. You know, he insisted on me coming out to his Long Island place for the weekend. Uncle Mort, don't you think that we... Oh, yes, Green, I remember him now. A stocky fellow with sort of sleepy eyes. Yeah, that's right. And talking about sleepy eyes, eyes sleepy. <laughs> yes, but uh, now it seems there's nothing to do but toddle along to a lonely room. Gee, Uncle, can't Mr. Brown stay overnight in our guest room? <laughs> what? Oh, why, of course, our guest room. I wonder why I didn't think of it myself. <laughs> you will stay, won't you, Mr. Brown? Oh, now, please, Margie, don't call me Mr. Brown. Just call me Uncle Bob. Yeah, Uncle Bob, you mean Uncle Boob. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, this is just too grand of you, Gildy. I'll just get my luggage. I think the driver left it on the porch. Oh, no, you just sit there, Uncle Bob. I'll go get it. Uh, now we'll have time for a few more yarns about college, eh, Throcky old Socky? Huh? Oh, yes, of course. Of course, Brownie, old clowny. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when I think of those ivy-clad walls... Hey, uh, wait a minute. Hold on there, Brown. There was no ivy on the walls at Princeton. Uh, been back there lately, Gildersleeve? Uh, no, but... Uh, when I think of those ivy-clad walls, I can't help remembering the days of the Frost Rush. Uh, uh, excuse me a moment, won't you? Yes, Leroy, what is it? Would you mind helping me, Unc? What's the trouble? Can't you handle Uncle Bob's luggage by yourself? Jeepers, no. Uncle Bob brought his trunk. What? <laughs> yes, then a voice from the coop replied, No, sir, there ain't nobody here except us chickens. <laughs> 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 you ain't the funniest man, Mr. Brown. 
<laughs> oh, brother, what a memory. <laughs> I'll be right back with a tray full of breakfast, Mr. Dodd. <laughs> Mr. Gilsey, your friend show is pleasant company. Yes, pleasant and permanent. He's been here three days already. Bertie, did he give you any hint as to when he's leaving? Well, he did discuss plans for a picnic 4th of July. Now I got to fix him a nice poached egg for his breakfast. Hi, right, George, I'd like to fix him a nice poached Mickey. Hey, <laughs> Uncle Bob, up here. Uncle Bob, Leroy, Mr. Brown is not your Uncle Bob. I know, but he's such a swell guy. And he hasn't any nephews of his own, so I sort of adopted him. Ugh. Oh, Uncle Bob, is there something I can get for you? That guy gets more service around here than a cop in a kitchen. Nobody ever feeds me poached eggs in bed. Oh, good morning, Uncle Moore. Oh, uh, hello, Marjorie. At least you're not going to neglect your uncle, I see. Hmm, I should say not. How's he feeling this morning? Why, I... Uh, who? <laughs> uncle Bob. Oh, so you've adopted him too, eh? Yes. He hasn't any nieces of his own, you know. That bird hasn't anything of his own but an appetite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Isn't it a shame? That's why I've arranged a nice, big, formal dinner for tonight. Formal dinner? You mean I've got to put on soup and fish just to listen to that fish eat his soup? <laughs> oh, now, Uncle, I've invited Judge Hooker and Rosita Callahan to meet Uncle Bob. You think he's Rosita's type? He wears pants, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, what is it, Leroy? Uncle Bob asked me to tell you that he'll be ready to leave right after breakfast. Oh, he will? Splendid. I, I've been waiting for this. Yeah, can you have the car already then? Oh, with the doors open and the motor running. Good. He wants you to take him out for a long drive in the country. Uh, I should have known. <laughs> You can stop here, Gildersleeve. Uh, this is Hickory Hills, isn't it? Yes. Uh, during the last war, Camp Hickory was located here. I remember the rifle range was right over there. Hickory was one of the biggest training camps. Well, we've got bigger plans for it this time. Yes, yes, yes we have. Oh, not you. My associates and I. Hey, you know, Gildy, I haven't discussed my reason for being in Summerfield. Oh, there was a reason. Uh, oh, yes, yes. And it's very confidential. Yes. You see those hills? Yes. Well, our mining engineers report that they contain one of the richest deposits of manganese in the country. If manganese? It's not so loud. Yes, you uh, know what it is, of course. Oh, it's a very valuable mineral. It's used to toughen steel. Right. It's in great demand now for war production. You mean someone's finally found something of value in them bare hills? Gildersleeve, there's millions in them there bare hills. <laughs> millions. <laughs> Brownie, old pal. <laughs> yes, Gildy. Uh, suppose we were to snoop around and find out who owns this land. Uh, don't you think we could uh, pick it up uh, pretty cheap? No, I'm afraid the owner wants a pretty stiff price, Gildy. Oh, you know who it is. Uh, I'll say I do. Uh, look here, Brownie, little chum. After all, we were schoolmates together at Princeton. Do you mind telling me the owner's name? Not at all, old kid. Good, then who is it? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Nice to have you so jolly again. You've been awfully grumpy the past few days. Well, that's all changed now, my dear. Oh, <laughs> Now run along and get into your tuxedo. Uh, the guests are due in half an hour. Oh, well, the guests, of course. It's deep in my heart. I... Well, hello, Leroy, my boy. Are you waiting to see me? Yeah, Uncle. 
I sort of stumbled into something by accident this afternoon, and it's got me worried. What is it, my boy? This. I found it up in the attic. Why, that's my old college yearbook. Say, wait till I show this to Bob Brown. He'll get a terrific kick when he reads it. No, Uncle, you'll give him a terrific kick when you read it. If, Leroy, why should I kick Uncle Bob? Because he isn't Uncle Bob. He's an impostorator. He's a, a, an impersonator? What do you mean? Look, this book's got pictures of your whole class, including the two Bob Browns who graduated with you. Uh, yes? And one of them was bald, so that couldn't be him. I remember now. Baldy Brown. He finally graduated. <laughs> uh, but couldn't uh, Brownie here have been the other one? No, look, the other one was an Indian. This... <laughs> Gee, do you think he scalped the first one? <laughs> Leroy, why couldn't you found all this out just a few hours earlier? Why, Uncle Mort? Because this humbug just took me out and showed me a reasonable facsimile of a manganese mine. See, he's a fakeroo, probably looking for a sucker. No, my boy, he isn't looking anymore. He just sold me a half interest in his manganese mine. Uncle Mort had to go through with the dinner in honor of his old college chum, Bob Brown. Right now, it's cigars, coffee, and conversation at ten paces in the living room. Yeah, look at him go oh, after my cigars. Really, Mr. Gildersleeve, it was the most charming dinner, and I think that Mr. Brown is most charming, too. Oh, yes, Miss Callahan. That fellow could charm a snake out of its skin. That <laughs> present company accepted, of course. Oh, he's led such an adventurous life. I understand that he was once an aviator. You're right. Sort of a fly by night. <laughs> However, I have hopes that the government's going to step in and ground him for the duration. Yes, then the judge turned to the prisoner and said, uh, You may be deaf now, but you'll get your hearing in the morning! <laughs> oh, for corn's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy, I don't blame you. I'd like to talk to you to Morgan, too. Excuse us, won't you, uh, Miss Callahan? Oh, yes, of course, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah. Yes, Uncle, what is it? Leroy, do you want that brown chap to get wise that we suspect him? Gee, no, Uncle. Then put away that junior G-man fingerprinting outfit. <laughs> but, but how else can I trap him? Look, I'm going to call in a mining engineer the first thing in the morning. We've got to be sure where we're stepping before we put our foot into it. Well, what do we do now? Well, uh, just keep our eyes open and pretend we're completely ignorant. And the way I let myself get swindled, I won't have to do much pretending either. <laughs> Uncle, here comes Judge Hooker. Yeah, what is that old hippo? Oh, Judge Hooker, how's things? Say, Gildersleeve, I must admit that I was completely taken by your friend Brown. Uncle Mort was taken, too. It, Leroy, it, go away someplace and pass the after-dinner mints. Okay, Uncle. Maybe I can get some prints that way. Yeah, prints. I was just thinking, Gildy, how nice it is to renew old friendship. Yes, very nice indeed. You know, I'd rather have an old friend than a million dollars, wouldn't you? Well, I suppose so. Although there seems to be some rule that you can't have both of them at the same time. Oh, now, Gildy, you mustn't be so hard-bitten. I can't help it. It's because I've bitten so hard. <laughs> Judge, there's something I better tell you, and quickly. Yeah, Mr. Brown just left with Miss Callahan. He's taken her for a ride to the magnesia mine. You what? Oh, the manganese mine. Yeah, he's got her interested, too. Why, George, I've got to stop before she does anything rash. Come on, Judge. Maybe you can help. Here, Luke. Maybe this will help. No, Leroy, I've told you before. I don't want that fingerprint outfit. Uh... 
see this car parked up ahead. Huh? I wish I knew what this was all about. Yes. Oh, I hope I'm not too late. You divert Brown's attention, Judge, while I talk to her. Uh, Rosita! Oh, Rosita! What? All right, Mr. Gildersleeve, you're Judge Hooker. Hey, what are you two doing here? Uh, Rosita, I must speak to you alone. Uh, Judge, you take care of Brownie. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve, this has been a most delightful night. Now, what do you want, little me? Well, <laughs> excuse me for asking, Rosita, but why did Bob Brown bring you out here? Well, I thought I had an idea, but I was wrong. <laughs> he wanted me to buy a quarter interest in some perfectly wonderful mining property. Oh, my. And, uh, and did you? Well, it was like this. The moon was so beautiful, and he was so persuasive, and yeah. I'm so impulsive, I just couldn't say no. No, I never should have introduced you to... Gildersleeve? Yes, what is it, Judge? Gildersleeve, the most wonderful thing has just happened to me. You You'll never guess. I bought a quarter interest in a magazine mine. Now, see here, Brown. I'm not going to beat around the bush any longer. You're a fraud and a fake, and I know it. Oh, you won't talk, eh? Well, I demand my money back. And right now, too. And if you don't... Excuse me, Mr. Gilsey, but is Mr. Brown in here? No, Bertie, I'm looking for him myself. Hello, I was just passing by and I thought I heard someone paging me. Uh, uh, oh, yes, Brownie. Uh, there's a little matter I'd like to discuss, if you have a minute to spare. Always have a minute for my little bunkie. Uh, what is it, Mort? Uh, well, it's... Uh, excuse us for a moment, will you, Bertie? Yes, Mr. Gilsey. Uh, now, uh, what was it, pal? Well, I... Uh, Sort of been thinking over that mining deal of ours, Brownie, and uh, I've come to the conclusion that it wasn't very fair of me to uh, jip you out of a half interest for only $10,000. <laughs> so I was thinking... Well, if you're not satisfied, Gildy, I'll take the stock back. If you will? Sure, I'll give you back your check and a $500 profit. $500 profit? In cash, surely? <laughs> now? Just as soon as you hand over your stock certificates. If, stay right there. Don't move. I'll be back in a flash for the cash. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Bertie. Get out of my way. <laughs> oh, uh, Bertie, you waiting to see me? Yes, sir. I drew all that money out of my building and loan like you done told me, Mr. Brown. Good. I have your stock certificate all ready for you. One thousand shares at fifty cents a share. Here you are. Oh, what a beautiful certificate. And here's the five hundred dollars, Mr. Brown. Take good care of it now. Yes, don't worry. Now, remember, not a word of this to anyone. No. Mr. Gildersleeve would be awfully angry if he found out that I let you in on this, too. <laughs> Don't you worry, sir. My mouth is going to be a closed book. Good. Itch. Here he comes. Hide that certificate. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, Brown. Oh, Bertie, will you please excuse us again? Nothing, sir. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, you brought your certificates. Good. Now, here's your check back and $500 in cash, old man. Let me have the stock. Yes, yes, sir. Wait a minute, Brownie. Don't rush me into this thing now. But that's what you wanted. Yes, but if a shrewd operator like you is willing to pay me $500 profit on the deal, there must be something to this little mine after all. But Gildersleeve, we just made a bargain. We didn't shake hands on it. No, sir. You're not going to jip me out of my investment, Brownie. I wasn't born yesterday, you know. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to this stock. <laughs>
good afternoon, Marjorie, my dear. Uh, any mail or messages or uh, dividend checks for me? No, no mail, Uncle Mort. But there's been a Mr. Connolly phoning all afternoon. Oh, yes, Bill Connolly. He's the mining engineer I hired to give me a report on the manganese mine. What did he say? I don't know. Uncle Bob took the message. Oh, Uncle Bob did? Well, I'll have to go ask him. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I forgot. I've got some good news for you. Good news? You have? Yes. He's been so anxious to get rid of Uncle Bob. Well, now he's left. He's left? Uh But, 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 my dear, I don't want him to go now. Are you sure he's gone for good? Oh, yes. Right after he spoke to Mr. Connolly, he phoned for a taxi, packed, and scooted right out. No, great jumping jeeps. That can mean only one thing, my dear. Hand me the phone, Marjorie. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. I've got to warn Judge Hooker that Brown is a phony. He's a what? I'll explain later. Judge Hooker's residence. Hello. Is Mr. Gil... I mean, this is Mr. Gildersleeve. Is he there? Oh, no, Mr. Gildersleeve. He's gone to the bank. Oh, the bank. Thanks. I'll try him there. But, Uncle Lord, I don't understand. I've been done brown by brown, my dear. <laughs> He's a crook, a thief, a, a confidence man, a confidence man. He never went to Princeton. Summerfield National Bank, Sheehan speaking. Oh, Mr. Sheehan. Uh, this is Mr. Gildersleeve. Is Judge Hooker there? Judge Hooker? Why, he just left. Oh, too bad. Uh, Mr. Sheehan, I want to stop a check that I wrote made out in favor of a Robert Brown. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Gildersleeve, but Brown was just in here and cashed that check. <laughs> no, man. Are you sure? Uh, yes, Judge Hooker brought him over and introduced him. He cashed a number of checks. <laughs> Is there any message in case Mr. Brown comes back? Uh, thanks just the same, Mr. Sheehan, but that bird will never come near your cage again. <laughs> You let me know just as soon as this Mr. Connolly, the, the expert, shows up. There may be a remote possibility that there actually is a manganese in those hills. Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve, I sure hope so. Now, don't take it so hard, Bertie. After all, you didn't lose any money. Yes, I did, too. All my building and loans is gone. What? And that Mr. Brown has such an honest face. Why, Bertie, how could you be so gullible? Oh, I guess it just runs in the family, Mr. Gildersleeve. I take after you. Well, I... I'd like to lay my hands on that crook. Now, me, I'd just like to cook for him. <laughs> You'd like to cook for him, Bertie? Yes, sir. I'd just like to cook for him one day, that's all. Gildersleeve, are you home? Oh, there's Judge Hooker, bellowing like a hook bull. <laughs> I'm in here, Judge. Come on, Miss Callahan. Well, Mr. Gildersleeve, you certainly have fine friends who treat a poor, innocent girl. What poor, innocent girl? What's her name? Oh, you. (laughs) Well, I'm terribly sorry about the whole thing, Rosita. Well, you'll be a lot sorrier when I file a lawsuit against you. What? Judge Hooker, I'd like to sue him in your court. Can I make an appointment now? In his court? But, Miss Callahan, Rosita, you know I tried to stop you. I... I'm getting in, Mr. Gill, please. Uh, Folks, that's probably the mining expert I hired. We might as well hear the sad news. Here's that Mr. Connolly you've been waiting for. Uh, Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, Connolly, is there any manganese in Hickory Hills? Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, it's a well-known metallurgical fact that the presence of manganese in commercial quantities in this region is a geological impossibility. Does that mean I get my $500 back? No, Bertie, it means that we're all sunk. Very well, Mr. Gildersleeve. You shall hear from my lawyers. Gildersleeve, never speak to me again. Now, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry if I've upset you folks. Uh, By the way, I stumbled across a curious thing up there. It might interest you. 
You know where the Camp Hickory rifle range used to be during the last war, Mr. Gildersleeve? Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's on my property. Well, what about it? Well, the hills in back are just chuck full of bullets. Must be two or three thousand ton of pure lead just waiting to be dug up. Yes, yes. What? Does that mean we're going to make a profit after all? Uh, sure, Judge. Come on. All we got to do is get the lead out. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, it's wonderful. Not only is this a profitable business venture, but you're reclaiming vital metal for our war production effort. Yes, Marjorie. And here's some more good news. In order to dig those bullets out, we've got to level off those hills, which means they'll make dandy building lots after we finished. <laughs> and more profit. Gee, aren't you a regular financial gizzard? Yes. <laughs> Leroy, my boy, that's the wrong word. Oh, oh, my mistake, Hunk. You're a regular financial blizzard. Just let it go. Let it go. Good night, folks. Composed and conducted by William Randolph. This is Jim Bannon speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to tune in again next week at the same time for the further adventures of The Great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. I hope you're with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.